do you know Rube Goldberg? Yes, of not, course. Not personally, but like, do you have you heard of him before? Oh yeah, he was a good friend of mine. <laughs> uh, okay, good. John, how about you? I have not. I actually Googled it before because I saw the comment about it, and Ooh, I Googled oh, it. Nice. I, I know what Rube represents now. Like, I, I could recognize that uh, I almost genre, mm-hmm. um, but no, I hadn't heard the name before. Oh, interesting. Okay, this is going to be very fascinating. Then, okay. Um, so, I have a question for you guys about legacy, and this is something uh, on the show that we've covered. Um, almost every episode, if not every episode, just in terms of a game's legacy and like how much legacy is kind of uh, important when we talk about old stuff, new stuff, uh, whether or not things can survive beyond today, that kind of thing. And we haven't really ever talked about a person's legacy, just sort of these games' legacies. So I'm curious for you guys, uh, if you could pick because I don't know that everyone can gets to pick the legacy that kind of uh, people remember them by. If you could pick a legacy for yourself, what it would be uh, that you would want people to remember you by? Well, that's a huge question. I, what, yeah. I, what I want people to remember me for? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and if you don't, uh, if you can't think of anything off top, I have you could do the follow uh, follow up, which is what do you not want to be remembered by? Because I have a little bit of a, a hypothetical uh, that I'm gonna pause it to you guys here in a second <laughs> well if decoy's thinking i'll tell you what my what my legacy is like sort of the desired legacy and honestly okay i want to be remembered for my sense of humor and my ability okay. to approach really any topic with a sense of humor um anytime so like that's I, that sense of humor as a as a means of social glue of bringing people Ooh, together that is well, wow, that's a good answer. Nice. All right, Deco, that's a tough follow-up here. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna slowly, slowly close the lid to my laptop and walk away because I don't know how to, I don't know how to follow that one up. Um, oh, that's fine. Well, I have, so here, so let me ask you this then. If, if maybe this can ke- start getting you guys thinking. Um, so we talked about, uh, I mentioned Rube Goldberg and uh, his legacy. Uh, for me, what I remember about him, um, and I was thinking about other people, other famous people, right? Because I don't know that we've covered a game yet that has some sort of famous person attached to it the way that today's episode does. I was thinking like George Washington, Rosa Parks, MLK, like Prince, so the artist known as Prince, Einstein, all these famous people, right? All these different genres. And I was like, all right, what's their legacy, right? Um, and within the science world, the first person that came to mind was Einstein. And I was like, oh, that's like, you know, E equals MC squared and like whatever goes along with that, right? Super smart, whatever. And then I was thinking, oh, Rube Goldberg, he's a scientist, right? Like he, you know, because I remember in like physical science or some sort of junior high class in science being like forced to make this Rube Goldberg contraption and all this stuff. Um, and I was doing a little uh, reading about him uh, prior to uh, us taping tonight. And I learned that he uh, was not that. He was just like a cartoonist. Yeah, that's and what I was, I, that's And what I was I so mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so when you said Rube Goldberg, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy who, who does the funny, um, funny cartoons. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and I was so, oh, man, because I have this very distinct, very bad memory of having being forced at like age, I don't know, 13 or something like that uh, to like find all these like very convoluted parts and try and put them all together to make this like little ball go from like side B to like side Z or whatever. Uh, and it not working and failing miserably and being like very frustrated. And I was like, oh man, like Rube Goldberg has done this to me. He's like, what a, what a, what an asshole, what a mad, bad scientist. <laughs> right. And then I was reading about him and I was like, I can't wait to learn about like, you know, 
all this stuff about his science and whatever and like how impressive he is and he won like the science award and i was like oh my god this dude just drew cartoons of convoluted shit i was <laughs> so upset <laughs> so his legacy has been tainted and changed for me now and that's what was making me think of this uh, idea <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the uh, the Wikipedia, and the best line in it is it says, "Best known for his popular cartoons depicting complicated gadgets performing simple tasks in indirect, convoluted ways." And I was like, "Oh yes. that is the <laughs> perfect way to say it." Yep. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. man. Convolu I hate, like... like the fact that they got convoluted into that it was just like, yep. "Oh, that's Chef's Kiss." That's so that's great. exactly how it's I remember perfect. it too, man. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, so that's not. I would argue uh, what my, or maybe Decoy, you could also speak to that, what my legacy, I hope that people don't remember me as some like a-hole who just draws a bunch of convoluted shit for people to make when they're 13. Not that, I mean, maybe he's a great guy, who knows, right? But man, I'm just so, I'm so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's raw. Yeah, it's very raw. That's fair. And to be, so to be fair, uh, to Rube Goldberg and maybe his estate, if he has one or whatever, who knows? Um, this game, uh, he never sued for rights to it, even though it was clearly based off of him uh, and never tried to like get intellectual property rights or money or anything. So, I mean, you know, there is that uh, for what that's worth. I don't know if that's worth anything, but yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, congratulations on not being an asshole. I think that, that wants to be, I, I want that to be the thing that people remember me by me not being an asshole they, and maybe that's yeah maybe that's the lowest maybe that's the bar the bar we need to set right it's like hey man at least he wasn't an asshole Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Getting Gamey, a podcast about board games. If you uh, succumbed to the clickbait and saw that this title is called Mousetrap, welcome and hello. It's nice to see you. Nice to have you uh, listening with us. We got uh, some lovely guests this uh, fine morning slash afternoon slash evening or wherever you happen to be. We've got uh, Decoy, as always. Say hello, Decoy. Hello. How are you doing? And uh, new to the show this week, we have uh, John, uh, also known as BotBot. Say hey, buddy. Hey. And uh, in case there is something that anybody wants to plug, I know you guys might recognize John's voice, or you might recognize his name, BotBot or John. Um, you might have seen him around. Uh, he's kind of a celebrity. Um, so uh, <laughs> John or uh, BotBot, or I'll be jumping back and forth between the two. Um, is there anything in particular at the moment? Uh, so this, just so you know, this will probably be airing somewhere in like January, February range. Um, so there's still going to be some time. So if there's something that you know that's like ending soon or whatever, maybe don't mention that unless you want to. But is there anything in particular that you wanted to kind of have the listeners know about you or like where they can find you or anything like that? Uh, no, nothing, nothing. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, there's, there's Weird Root, which I think my name has been pretty much uh, permanently attached to. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of a concept that I started as uh, one of the many diehard fans of root but uh the thing i think i want to plug now is the new youtube channel that i'm working on called brian and bunker which is kind of a vlog with a board game flair it's not a hundred percent like a board game channel it's there's going to be a lot of board game content i mean 
it's what I love, but um, a little bit different flair, a little bit more of a, hopefully a storytelling type of uh, approach to it. So um, nice. that's the, yeah, that's, that's probably what, uh, what's out there right now. And oh, I'll just boy. say, I'll, I'll throw some uh, foreshadowing in on Ooh. today's episode because I've been following the posts about, you know, hey, oh, yeah. this is what we're talking about. This is the topic. Hey, who wants to join? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, when I saw Mousetrap, I was like, get me in there. So, <laughs> yes. Hot takes Excellent. incoming. Let's go. Speaking of hot takes and speaking of Mousetrap, uh, you heard us talking about it already and you heard John just introduce it. We are talking about mousetrap this evening uh and this game you probably know i would bet if you don't know who rube goldberg is uh if you know mousetrap then now you do welcome you've now met uh rube goldberg and everything he has to say uh so anyway uh this game uh, it's pretty straightforward in terms of its design um if you think of it uh simply you could also think of it very complexly like rube goldberg used to draw uh and in which case it's not um but in terms of like the actual gameplay as simple as it comes, right? Um, so this game, I'll give you the numbers really quick. So uh, this game has, uh, features two to four players. Uh, the setup time and uh, play time, according to BGG, is a uh, uh, 30 minutes. Uh, and I think I'm going to push back pretty hard on that one. Uh, six and up is the age range, if you're looking to uh, introduce this to anyone. Um, 30 minutes, I don't know, you guys. When's the last time you played Mousetrap? Maybe is an interesting question. But the last time I played Mousetrap, uh, 30 minutes is way under in my opinion how long it takes to play this game just set up alone is like an hour <laughs> yeah depending on what version of this game you're playing setup could be 30 minutes or right if you're like me we never even we never even made it we tried to play this game several times i forget mm-hmm. who with because i was very young but right right we uh we definitely half set it up and just started playing with the individual pieces because we did not understand the rule book totally <laughs> So totally. again, with that with that age range, six and up, yeah, you could play with it at six and up, but you better have an adult to actually set it up. And Ooh. even then, I don't think we made it because I'm pretty sure we had adults around playing this with us. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, John, do you have any similar experiences, or are you like a mousetrap guru? I mean, I don't remember. I see. Obviously, I haven't played the the first version in so many years, but mm-hmm. I remember, you know, we as me and my brothers and sisters, we would play it and wasn't difficult to understand i don't remember how old we were i don't know about sure. six i still agree with the point that you're, you're not going to hand this to a six-year-old and and have them figure it out <laughs> oh no way <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah don't expect to uh, hand them the box and, and then check out for 30 minutes that's not going to work <laughs> yeah right, i'm pretty sure right. that exact thing happened to me and i did not get very far right yep the the weird divide is with the updated version where it it became less of a game and more of a toy and that's mm-hmm. what that's my hot take is that mousetrap is not a game it's a toy ah. um, with similarities with the same types of functions as a game but mm. uh, but the original i would not say that of i would say the original was a game and it was fun because there was there was the building there was the mm. stealing of the cheese there was the exchange of the cheese tokens right and the just whack a doodle random stuff that they put together to make <laughs> right. the, you know the the goldberg machine yep and um very convoluted as that uh yeah you mentioned abs- before right yeah absolutely like if you were gonna <laughs> if you were gonna catch a mouse that is not the design that's going to do it okay because <laughs> you need a full-time human standing on the other end of this seesaw to get launched into a bathtub right full time just to catch the mouse 
It's so funny. <laughs> that spirit doesn't exist in the new version mm-hmm. because it, it it's like you got to first of all spinners in games no no thanks uh, right. but you got to spin the spinner and then you move to the to the next space that's the color and i may be getting ahead of you here oh that's okay um, no but, go for it but uh you move to the next color and then you just kind of move around the track until somebody gets caught and yeah it's exactly just, it's like move and roll and that's about it but yeah that kind of defeats the game side of it and makes it more of a toy like you're saying yeah and to to that point um decoy and i recently uh, for the listeners on this show have talked about sort of uh, the merits of, or differences between maybe is a better way to put it uh, a game, like a board game or a toy. Cause if you go to, you know, like we've, we talked a lot about uh, like, I forget the word and the phrasing um, per se, but we talk a lot about uh, whether or not this game is like accessible and how, uh, how kind of like what kind of market penetration it's had um, and whether or not you could find it like, at a specialty board game hobby type store, or if you could just walk down to Target and see it like on the shelf in the board games and toys section. And those two are always close together. And yeah, I think um, this version of the game that is potentially one that you're finding there, uh, check the date, because it might not have the game side uh, of it. And we can also argue that the first part really isn't a game either, like per se, (laughs) right? Compared to some others. But yeah, it's definitely... uh, the gaminess of it has kind of declined uh, with this second update, which I didn't even uh, know about. So you mentioned it, uh, John, earlier in this week. So that's, yeah, it's fascinating. Speaking of, uh, so real quick, um, you mentioned it a little bit before. Let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of just what this, what's in this box. So if you're interested in this game or if you forgot and you look over in your board game shelf, I know we know all of our listeners sit uh, right in front of their board game shelf and uh, look at it the whole time. So if that's you and you're taking a look and you see Mousetrap, here's what you can expect uh, to get. You'll have a very random variety of these plastic uh, pieces that don't really make any sense. You got a boot that swings and kicks a plunger, and then you have a bathtub, and you have a toilet, and you have a stop sign that smacks the back of the shoe, and you have a giant staircase that the marble rolls down. It doesn't really ever make any sense, as all Rube Goldberg machines don't. Um, And all these pieces are very specifically ordered uh, and connect in a very specific way. Um, and if you have ever watched a Rube Goldberg machine uh, play or you've ever played Mousetrap, you'll know this. And if you haven't, um, basically, you part of the game sort of uh, development from start to finish is just building the contraption, which is always found very uh, interesting is maybe the euphemism I'll use because I kind of hate it. But um, it's fascinating that the game doesn't come out fully developed. Like typically now, if you pull out a board game, you kind of expect uh, to put out all of the, the pieces and like kind of set it up at the start of the game before everybody plays. Um, so like if you're having a board game night and you have everybody over and you're going to play Scrabble, let's say, you pull out the tiles, you pull out the board, you, you set it up, people arrive, you know, you're ready to play. Uh, Mousetrap, you're like, hey guys, we're going to build this thing together as part of the game experience. Like it's just a, such a different, <laughs> such a different uh, thing than you would expect, which is, I don't know, for better or worse, like I hate it. You guys might maybe love it. I don't know. <laughs> there's a very There's a very dark undertone that, is probably missed by most people doing it. But think about this. You each represent a mouse. And so mm-hmm. you're being asked to move around the board and build the machine. That's going to kill Ultimately you. going oh to kill gosh. you. <laughs> so there's this really weird darkness to it. And plus, it, I've got to say that the I don't, like I said, I don't know. I didn't know who Rube Goldberg was. But I have to assume that he's like the father of steampunk. Because that's exactly <laughs> what this contraption reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of we are slowly 
building these we're adding one piece at a time so we don't know that we're building a death machine but we're building yep. a death machine to kill for one of ourselves us. yeah all of us but one like, what an amazing dark undertone for such a silly quacky game for six and up yeah for six and up yeah <laughs> yeah that's a very digging your own grave kind of aspect i always picture i always picture like uh you have the pieces and you have schematics, but it doesn't have a title. So you're like, oh, I'm building this thing. Yeah. So you random and you're like, oh, I wonder what I'm building. And then before you know it, you have like a cheese thing and a big trap. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And then all of a sudden you hear it going you're like, oh, I wonder what's happening. And then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm dead. Like you realize <laughs> it like as the cage is crashing down on your face. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the, that anticipation as, as the, because you have to turn the crank. Uh, I think it's a certain number of times. Is that, I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, um, the, so let's get into the mechanics of it a bit and then we can get into the juice. Yeah. Um, so you're a mouse as decoy mentioned, uh, decoy mentioned, I think decoy mentioned that too, maybe, but John definitely just did. Um, but you're a mouse uh, and you're building your own death um, and you roll die and you move along the board. Uh, and that's pretty much the game mechanics. It's very simple. Uh, you, you roll and you move along as much as it said, and then you get stuff um, on the square. It's very much like, Monopoly or Candyland or uh, any of these other games that have this sort of very simple rolling die and moving around a board uh, mechanic. And you follow the outside of the board. And then on the inside, you have uh, the pieces that you're building. So sometimes you land on a square uh, that moves back or moves forward or that allows you to just gain a, a, a set amount of cheese because, you know, my like cheese. And then sometimes on a space that allows you to build a piece of the contraption and players just go around in a circle and they keep doing that. And the, the board uh, is uh, never ending. So there's like a loop that you get to at the end of the board and you just kind of if, like eternally go in a circle uh, because there's no like, oh, I reached the end because the end is death, right? <laughs> so you just keep rolling and keep passing around and keep building until eventually uh, there's a space where you can land uh, that's like the trap space. Uh, and if a player is there, another player, so let's say Decoy, John, and I are playing Mousetrap, and let's say uh, Decoy is in the trap at the moment, and it's John's turn. So John rolls, and he moves, and he lands on the turn the crank space. So he gets to set up the machine and turn the crank, and then watch and see if the Goldberg machine uh, succeeds. And if it succeeds, then Decoy would have died, because the trap has landed on him. And then Decoy is eliminated, and then it's just me and John left, and then we keep going in the infinite circle until one of us is on the trap space and one of us lands on the crank space and if the trap fails it's your lucky day you get to eat the cheese or whatever and survive until eventually uh, everyone is dead but but you this, this is getting worse and worse it. yeah at first it was just you're building you're building the trap that will eventually spell your death and then we find out that you just have to keep going the game until you die yeah until you die the game yeah. can potentially never end it's, which is it's why like, that 30 uh, minutes is not right i don't think yeah that's uh that's that's existential horror right there yeah especially for these like little like so I, my assumption would be if this game if you pulled out to play it or you're introducing it to like a niece or a nephew or whatever uh that uh, when they land on a build space you're like hey i'll help you build it or whatever um and then like you're building it together and like that's the experience like hey it's parent and kid or two friends with for some nostalgia let's build this contraption together it'll be fun we'll see if it, we can make it work it's silly because there's a toilet and there's a boot or whatever um, but the actual like game behind the machine, yeah, it's a uh, steam dark steampunk is I think a good astute, <laughs> astute <laughs> qualification for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'll say that. Um, anyway, so that's the game. Uh, now you know how to play it. Basically, um, I was thinking about this in terms of uh, like gimmicks versus 
uh, like actual board games um, based on something another a friend of ours had said recently today. Um, and there's another gimmick game on this list, uh, technically. Gimmick game being like the board game isn't as important as the sort of gimmick design, the thing that was created for the experience. And that would be uh, Kerplunk, which our listeners will remember. Um, Bod Bod, do you know this game by any chance? I know the name and I'm probably played it, but I can't place, I can't place its uh, mechanics in my brain. I gotcha. Okay. Um, that's fine. And decoy knows this one. Um, yes, I'm just, yes, just yes. I was just thinking now as we think about this game versus other games like it, other gimmicky type games where it's like one single thing and the sort of board game side of it seems to fall a little bit to the wayside in lieu of this other thing. Um, what your favorite like sort of gimmicky game that's not really a board game, maybe it is kind of closer to a toy or whatever, uh, is because this one is definitely our our second. Uh, and I don't want to do any spoilers necessarily, but uh, I don't really like this one as much as Kerplunk. Oh man, that's spoilers <laughs> there. I know, right? Uh, so so as I was thinking through this, I was thinking what what games are similar to mm. this, and maybe we could talk about them in in parallel or similarities. And it yeah. kind of fits into the question. So there's, I think, two two categories that I came up with that kind of fit with the mousetrap theme. And yeah. those are games that have mechanics, as you just said, that are built in and the game is kind of built around them. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this thing that happens sometimes where, where games that are not a mechanical game like Mousetrap put mechanics in them where they don't necessarily fit. Oh, okay. And for the first question, what game is a thing that, uh, or is a game that that is my favorite of these types of mechanical games? Mm-hmm. Have either of you ever played or heard of Don't Wake Daddy? Ooh, yes. I I haven't played it, but I know what game you're talking about. I yeah, haven't. yeah. So yeah. this is a this is a game that's very <laughs> similar to this. It's not mm-hmm. as mechanical because there's exactly one little machine in the center of the board, which is a a sleeping pop old man with a, mm-hmm. with a hat on, a sleeping hat. Yep. And the goal is you are children, and you move your tiles around the board in a circle, and you have to sneak out of the house, I think, something like that. Yep, yeah, and on the way, you have to, I think it's a, a roller, so you roll a die and you move yourself that many spaces, and you have to avoid the things that'll wake up your sleeping father. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think one of them is don't step on the cat's tail right or, sort of a <laughs> yeah or don't don't knock over the toys some stuff like say, that like knock something over yeah some sort of loud crash yeah yeah and every time you have to click a button or do a something or other mm. like turning the crank that will eventually drop drop the marble in in mousetrap mm. and if you do it one too many times or you hit that threshold uh the the father character pops up out of the board and he's very <laughs> mad looking and I think it's battery operated or something like that. There's a little, little switch or something mm-hmm. and it makes a noise and it's funny. Uh, so that that's your favorite. Yeah. That, that would be my favorite in terms of yeah, games. That, I was, this. that makes me think of two others that I know um, while John's pondering his, uh, maybe he already knows um, hungry, hungry hippos. Uh, our listeners maybe yep, are that's, wondering that's a as one. a gimmicky type game. That's where you're basically just mashing your hand as fast as you can on the hippopotamus's ass. And then that causes it to like nom, uh, like a little marble that's like <laughs> plastic and the more you can eat the better uh, very simple not really a board game but it is kind of because it in, kind of incorporates like the social maybe magical circle of a board game but it's not uh, you're just mashing like you're not really doing much decision making other than I must decide to mash this faster right 
Um, and another one that I played a ton growing up is Operation. Uh, that one has a very like specific kind of gimmick where you're trying to pull vital organs out of a, a supposedly cadaver because there's no way they can live without the things you're pulling out of them. Um, and if you like touch the edge of the metal, like if the metal pick touches the edge of the metal thing, that's like the size where you pull the thing out, then it like goes and then like, I guess that's the equivalent of you like hitting an artery and like killing the patient or what, you know, whatever. Um, but those two come to mind the most uh, like readily in terms of this style. Yeah. I have to say that was going to be my, that was going to be my pick was operation. Oh yeah. The, there you go. The sheer terror <laughs> of, of that. I mean, even though there's not an electrical charge, like right. there's something that was so scary about that buzz when mm -hmm. you, when you hit it. And then yep. um, the other game that I was thinking of, uh, I don't even know what the, what it was called, but it was this giant metal uh, football field that you plugged in and it vibrated oh, yeah, and you had one. the little football miniatures that would sit on it and they, it, the vibration would cause them to move. In to move. Yeah. Yeah. And uh -huh. Like that's not a game really. And it, it's almost not even an activity, but it, I just, it was so fun to line everything up, turn it on, watch all the vibration go. And then you stop the action. Like you play a game of football with yeah. that randomness in such a weird, weird way. Mm -hmm. to create the randomness <laughs> yeah man the, old games are so weird huh <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> i love it <laughs> there's a place in minneapolis that you can go and you can play a bunch of like 1920s 30s 40s uh like arcade games and it's mm -hmm. so wild that's excellent that is excellent yeah dang that's so like man this is the thing also part of the show uh the show's thesis and sort of origin is um giving the love and attention to these old games where like, so we can get into the history of this game a bit. This is a good segue. Uh, this game is uh, came out in 1963. So relatively old. Uh, and really like, I think games like this styles like this, you can really sort of see now that we have the benefit of hindsight that uh, some of these game developing uh, people and sort of developer uh, companies and publishers and stuff really didn't know uh, I don't want to say didn't know what they were doing because may maybe they kind of did because, you know, these games sold pretty well. Um, but you can really see uh, them trying to, like, figure out what is this thing called board game? Like, what is it that it's supposed to do and what is it that they can do? And they're really just kind of, like, throwing a bunch of spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, some of them stuck and some of them you kind of never heard about. And it's, you know, I guess it kind of worked to an extent, but that yielded a lot of the games that we have now. Um, so, you know, I mean, that there, there is that, and that's part of that legacy idea that I think we were talking about before. Um, but yeah, so this one, like we said, 1963, uh, by Ideal, designed by Marvin Glass. Um, and this one uh, is one of the first three-dimensional, like, quote-unquote, board games uh, that was ever made, which is pretty cool. Um, Scrabble's three-dimensional technically with the tiles and stuff, and that was a little earlier, uh, you know, for what it's worth. But um, yeah, this one kind of changed things a little bit uh, back in the 60s uh, for the better, uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. But the worse, what do we think? <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I, I think that they created a, a new canvas for games at that mm -hmm. time. Uh, but I don't know what followed it. Like, what, what was the series of games that were produced not necessarily by the same publisher but what were the series of games that were sort of copycats of mousetrap i don't know the answer to that but that's what i'd be interested to see is what what came after mousetrap if it was a pioneer in the three-dimensional space 
Totally. Yeah. So um, Hungry Hungry Hippos uh, was uh, so it was kind of fought up in the late 60s and then introduced in the late or mid to late 70s. So we could say that one is a direct spawn of this one. Um, and there's a few others, too. Uh, I was looking up like kind of like since this game was kind of the first of its like time, the first of its style. Uh, like if it was truly a like this game yielded all these other games that were either good or not. So um, Crazy Clock game is another Goldberg uh, game that was 64. Uh, we have uh, Fish Bait game from 65. Both of those are relatively close to this one. Uh, those are the ones that I kind of uh, found and came up with uh, the earliest. There's a, there's a handful of others that are kind of in that similar vein of a contraption or a thing that you're building vertically as opposed to a a flat two-dimensional board game that we kind of think of now. Um, so it definitely has, like, whether or not those games are good is a different discussion, but it definitely spawned a sort of surge of these, like, new things, like we were saying, yeah. Even if those games weren't successful, it's still interesting that they happened. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's bad that someone made a, made a, a Rubel Goldberg machine into a, a board game. It might not have been the most fun thing and it might not be long lasting, but right, it, right. It, you can point back to it and say, occasionally when you see weird things in games, oh, at one point back in the 60s, somebody actually made a game that was just this and it was kind of funny. Maybe not yeah. the funnest thing to play, maybe not the best design board game, mm -hmm. but it's there and it kind of open the door for doing three-dimensional stuff, which and, you still occasionally see now. Yeah, and people remember those types of things, right? Like when, like when I was growing up, um, this game was kind of like a, oh, mousetrap, we get to make that thing. That's so different than all these other games in this closet, and I kind of mm -hmm. want to do that. It's just like a, I don't know, it's like we they turned like making a simple machine and like figuring out how like physics works and gravity and stuff. They turned that into like a, a a game somehow like it's not really a game per se but it kind of is it's it's at least skinned like a game um even though you know like we said it's, the mechanics of it aren't really gamey in that way but yeah like, i'd argue that, those uh, things yeah i'd argue that the this maybe not this game in particular but this genre of games where they started to turn into board games took mm -hmm. the concept of a toy and a game and actually started to bring them closer together because if you think about it, in 1963 the games that people were playing were probably dominoes, lots of different card games, mm -hmm. um, Mancala. So all mm -hmm. these different games that people were playing that were kind of serious. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they started making these very toy looking games and the audience started to widen because they weren't seen as, you know, boring old man activities. Cause you right. Know, right all the grandpas were they had their the grandmas and grandpas they played bridge and right these other games and i think this this started to uh, blur the line between toy and game um between and like i said i don't know where on the timeline of those two things coming together are right. but i have to imagine that this is pretty early in that timeline yeah definitely is so of the games we've covered uh so far just to give you guys and our listeners a recap um so monopoly was 35 so this was out by then um, we have Risk, 1957. So this was out by then. Um, way more adult, uh, though, than Mousetrap, for sure. Yeah. Uh, even though it's not really for adults per se, but it's definitely older. I'll, at least I'll say that. Um, we got Checkers out by then, 1150. We got Chinese Checkers out by then, 1892. Both of those pretty similar. 
chess, obviously, um, like you said, more of like an adult grandpa style thing, despite Waterman uh, arguing that it is for kindergartners and up um, in, in that uh, chess episode. Battleship 1931, which is similar, kind of a toy kind of a game. That was one we covered recently. Uh, Scrabble is out at this time. That's 48. And Percheesy also out at this time. That was from like 400. Um, so quite a few of the ones we've covered actually around. Not all of them clearly um, have the, like not all of them are leading to Mousetrap, right? But uh, some of them have a little bit of that vibe. But yeah, this, this time period kind of uh, does, like you said, John, kind of in a way combine some things together in a way that, uh, I don't know. It's new. It's interesting. Like it's, I'm glad that it exists. Do I want to sit down and play it today? Of course not. But like, do I, am I glad that it exists? I, yes. Like it's, it's an important uh, stamp on the history that we have had that leads us to the boom that we're currently in, I think. So let's talk about weight. Uh, we talk about weight every episode and uh, this game, um, this game is interesting. So Oh man. So actually, you know what, first, so uh, we know the listeners know decoys uh, answer to this question already and decoy, you can speak on it more again, if you'd like. Um, but uh, John, I want to, um, I'm curious how you internalize this concept as a board gamer. Uh, so BGG's like weight idea and part of this show kind of leads towards that a little bit. Um, they scale it one to five just to kind of fill everybody in again. Um, when you think about weight, uh, John, how is it exactly that you kind of internalize this very subjective uh, idea? Uh, I think it's mostly probably 85% just sheer complexity. Like how mm -hmm. many different systems exist in the game? How intricately do they interact and how, how many edge cases you might see? Um, one of the ways that I think about it is the way, same way they talk about language. Language is, each language is some degree of rules with mm -hmm. some number of exceptions and English is not nearly as many as exceptions as Chinese, but English is one of the most complicated. But I think about how many different rules there are with so many exceptions or alternate conditions that might apply. So mm -hmm. and the other 15% is honestly theme. Oh. I think if, if the theme is very, you know, heavy or serious, right. I'd say it's probably a heavier weight game. I mean, it's only 15%, so it's not a big part of it, but I think that sure. that matters. Um, you know, cause you look at a game like Flamecraft that's out right now and it, it's so cute, but you almost kind of, you almost kind of error that's it's complexity down a little bit just because of how cute it is. Ah, I see. Okay. Not that's, a lot. That's interesting. But... Yeah. That the theme side of it isn't something I've heard, uh, yet. And that's, that's an interesting addition to this sort of weight idea. Yeah. Um, decoy do you now that you've heard that also is there is that does that come into play for you at all i'm kind of i'm kind of not pondering if that comes into play for me maybe even subconsciously maybe it does although i wouldn't necessarily call it theme mm -hmm. maybe maybe how how dark it looks how scary it looks that, oh, okay. that might be something i said before so how yeah. how approachable a game is might impact its complexity uh, a little bit uh, mm. It's weight a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't. Something like Flamecraft looks very, very approachable. Mm. Something like Brass does not look very, very approachable. That's that looks true. scary. Yeah. That Those games are much. They're, they're very different, differently complicated for different reasons. Uh, they're mm. different, different complexity. Uh, if you're if you're looking at how complicated or what the weight weights are, but I'm sure mm. we could come up with a game that is similar 
in complexity in not necessarily weight, but how hard it is to play as Flamecraft, but looks a lot scarier. And that, that may, or, or more difficult to get into. Because mm-hmm. of and it might drive people away. Yeah, yeah. The theme of the, yeah, that's that, a fascinating look. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way it should be. In my heart of hearts, I feel like it shouldn't, but I think that's the way it is. Yeah. That's a, yeah, interesting. So this one um, definitely doesn't, well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say definitely. This game does kind of look scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. Um, when you look at the box, if you've never seen the art of this box and you take a look, you don't know what the hell's going on on the, on the cover of that thing, right? Like that does, sometimes a cover can kind of give you some like a windows peek into the world of the game, right? Um, and some of my favorite games art uh, is the thing that led me to it among a lot of other things. Uh, this game I mean, you're looking at like one of the most complex looking things you've ever freaking seen. Like, I don't know. So, so this game's weight is 1.11 uh, to give you guys the, the answer here. Finally. Um, I always like to kind of start with if we agree or not. Um, Decoy, what do you think? Does that feel about right to you or does it feel um, too low or too maybe high? A touch low. Can you give yeah. us a comparison of other things that we've covered? Uh, and totally. Yeah. Complexities. So last week uh, was Precheesy. Uh, that was a 1.2, so just a tenth higher. And uh, we we've talked before about the semantics of a tenth of a point on the weight scale uh, yeah. before, but um, yeah, so that's a, that's a, about the same. Um, Battleship 1.22, so another one that's about the same. Guess who actually is exactly the same? 1.11. It's it weights it exactly evenly. Um, and then to give you one that's a little bit ahead, uh, we got Trivial Pursuit. That's a 1.6. I feel Scrabble, like this is a... Scrabble 2.0. So it's that's kind of the yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a little low. Maybe this is just my own experience from being completely unable to set up the board game. That's part of it. I'm yeah, yeah. man, for real. Yeah. Looking at the picture of this of this, I I distinctly remember and this is kind of the same thing, not in exactly the same way, but more so how the pieces fit on the board. It mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of life a little bit. So when you pull oh, yeah. out the life board, you have your spinner, and then you have little houses that all slot into the board and they go mm-hmm. in very specific places. Yeah. And just like mousetrap. Yeah. When I was very little, I couldn't figure out how to put, put those things in the right places. And I needed help from an adult mm-hmm. and this, I couldn't figure out at all. Oh God. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just got, Oh, the board game six and up. Here you go. And mm-hmm. then my, my parent or whoever, whoever was around with me and my cousins probably, uh, just left, and we were we were we sat there and like yeah, two six year olds and an eight year old, we're not we're not figuring this out. So we just set up the pieces individually and, and tried to figure out how they worked. Totally. So yeah, based on that, maybe maybe it should be a little bit higher. You can play yeah. you can play guess who guess who's much easier to set up. It's very mm-hmm. obvious, mm-hmm. especially after that first time. Like once you yeah. create the contraption that allows you to flick them up and down. Man, setup is five seconds, right? It's super easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, John, what do you think? Does that feel about right, or you think it's also low? The only one that on that list that sounded out of place was Guess Who. I don't. It'll also, I don't think one. that yeah. I don't know if Mousetrap is too low or if Guess Who's too high, but those two games don't seem equally complex um, for a lot of different reasons. But I mean, Guess Who is you ask a open-ended question or no it's a mm-hmm. yes no question yes no yes yep. unless you're <laughs> and, playing subjective guess who like we've talked about a lot, a lot. Yes, <laughs> yep yep with this there's a lot there's more rules to understand you have to understand how to execute each of the the things on the board that tell you what to do 
uh, move ahead, move behind, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, I don't know if that's because the rating on Mousetrap is too low or um, if guess who's just too high. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, I think they're definitely, there's definitely something weird going on. Yeah, so f- I think for me, the gameplay, like if if an adult or a older brother or an older sister, an older kid knows how to set it up, um, and if they know how to set it up and they can do it for you and kind of get things, you know, like going, and then you can then just start playing with it set up all the way and you don't do the build steps and stuff, uh, then sure, 1.1, it even could be like 0.0, like, roll a die and move, move upon like that's basic math. That's easy. Um, but you know, like we said, like the game part of this is that part where you're rolling and collecting the, the cheese tokens and then building the contraption. Uh, and as simple as that is like for someone who knows how to play it and for someone who's a little bit older. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm putting that way. Like I think the game mechanics of like Scrabble are definitely harder. Uh, Cause you got to like know words and you got to be able to like do, math in your head and see a lot of different possibilities and like branching things just to for the example that we used mousetrap you don't have to do that but uh getting it like set up and like working and like the physics of it and the simple machine aspect of it is a lot more complicated in my opinion than something like guess who um just to you know throw my two cents in there too yeah yeah i agree with that yeah all the all the failure states that can happen with the setup oh big time if, if you guys remember ever remember not not setting up something quite right and having the marble fall off the board and roll into the couch. That oh my god! <laughs> totally, so totally. I don't I don't know of another game where that happens. Right. Like, how easily does the game the the board game just fall apart? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, because like part of the game is trying to not get killed, right? Um, yeah. And if the machine breaks, then you don't get killed. Like you survive and we keep going around. So if you build it even slightly wrong or if the game is old and it's been uh, packaged away a little bit roughly or whatever, and some of the things have gotten bent or some of the things, the springs don't work as well or whatever, then all of a sudden you found a very hard game to complete. Yeah. Uh, or borderline I, impossible. I think th- th- there's also the, the little cage piece where mm-hmm. uh, it, it pops up and the cage comes down. I'm yep. pretty sure our cage was broken from oh, no. something or other, so <laughs> it would it would come down halfway, and you have to jiggle it for it to make it make it all the way down. <laughs> so, this is really high, like high maintenance board game. I don't think yeah. we, I don't think we've talked about anything else as finicky or or difficult to make work correctly as this. Yeah, it's not an easy one. Um, that's for sure. For like again, it's I'm glad that it exists and et cetera, but yeah, it's uh. A little rough. Not easy to love, let's say that. Vico, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you specifically, since I know um, part of your answer to this maybe, and I'm curious how you feel about it. Um, one thing that you've mentioned before on the show is um, that you uh, have been attracted to games in the past that sort of have an educational angle. Um, Trigger Pursuit is one for sure. Scrabble is one for sure. There's, I'm sure, others where uh, you're kind of learning something as you play as opposed to just learning how the game works, but just also like useful you know, for your regular life. And this game arguably does that uh, in two ways, uh, physics and simple machines. Um, So I guess I think my question is sort of, uh, do you feel about this game the same way that you normally do when you think of those educational type games uh, that you like? So 
I want to feel that way. <laughs> in practice, I did not feel that way. I was about to say, all right. It, it seems like a good idea. You look at the box and you say, wow, there's, there's a, there's there's machinery going on here there's mm -hmm. there's maybe gears or something like that or there's mm -hmm. gravity and there's you know a catapult you have to deal with stuff in in practice it kind of gets muddled out by all the the fancy colors and squares and all the other little things on the board i wasn't right. thinking about that at all when i was playing the game whereas and honestly i don't know how much i was thinking about all of this in any kind of educational board game when i was playing them right looking back at this do i think about this as an educational thing an educational board game an educational toy right not really i think about how often it broke yeah yeah that, that's, yeah, exactly. that's the overwhelming memory that i have of this it was yeah it was difficult to play we we opened it up two or three times tried to get it working and by the third time we were missing a piece because we we're children <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't it, it was a good try, but I don't think it did its job as far as education worked or yeah, as far as so, education went. So for me, uh, and John, maybe you can speak to this a little bit too, if um, if this was also your experience. Um, so I remember pulling this game out every once in a while and being kind of excited to try something new or whatever or build the thing when I was super young. And I remember audible groaning from everyone who <laughs> I was going to play with. Like, oh my God, we have to make this freaking thing? Like, come on, <laughs> right? And now that I'm an adult, I like know that that's what they were thinking. And I remember the groans, but like, you know, I was like the youngest and I was like, I want to play this. And they were like, okay, fine. And they're under the breath, like, fuck's sake, right? Um, and, and like, I think that's part of it. Yeah, like, sure, did I learn physics and simple machines from this? Clearly not, because I failed my Rube Goldberg machine project when I was in middle school. <laughs> uh, so, so like, no, right? I mean, maybe I'm uh, an outlier there and everyone... Maybe somebody played this game and now they're a physicist, right? And they're going to listen to this and be like, that's crazy. Um, yeah, but for me, like, oh, man, those audible groans, like, I can still, I thought about Mousetrap. And then the first thing that came to mind was pulling it out and then the groans. Like, that that came to mind before anything else. <laughs> I, I would say that saying that it's an educational board game might be stretching. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, like it, it, that tells me that you want it to be. Right. Because um, you don't, I mean... There's a little bit of you're always learning. I mean, let's let's be honest. So everything is educational, you know, yeah, falling off sure, sure. falling off a bike is educational. Right. Uh, but there's you weren't really applying a true scientific process to understand, but like you're there's problem solving involved because you have to especially if if it's not working correctly, you have to get in there and figure out how to make it work correctly. So there's a little bit of problem solving and logic and understanding how the rules work. And there's a lot of things in there that develop skills, I think, for younger kids. I mean, I, I have two kids and I always try to play games with them that are above their head mm -hmm. because it almost ensures that they're going to have to stretch a little bit right. to, get, to get to there. But yeah. that's for educational purposes. And I feel like mousetrap is more of a toy than an educational game yeah um well hey uh we're getting close to the point where we start to put these bad boys up against each other before we do so john if you're ready uh i'd like to have you learn uh the list 
So um, the, a recap for our listeners uh, and also uh, new info here for John. Um, so what we do uh, is, and there's, there's no rules to this segment. It's basically just um, we have or we're feeling about the game in this moment based on our conversation. We sit down and we look at all the games we've covered so far and we just say this one's better than this one for this reason and worse than this reason. Sometimes it's legacy. Sometimes it has nothing to do with legacy. Sometimes it's uh, social interaction that's created. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that. It's all about just kind of what we decide in the moment. Um, so without further ado, our, our top ranked game on the list so far is Catan. Uh, and that's followed up by Chess at number two. Uh, Risk at number three. Parcheesi at number four. Checkers at number five. Scrabble at number six. Guess Who at number seven. Kerplunk at number eight. Battleship at number nine. Monopoly at number 10. Chinese checkers at number 11 and in the dumpster yet again, uh, much to decoys uh, chagrin number 12 trivial pursuit and bot. I'll go ahead and send that to you now. So you can take a look uh, up close and personal style. All right. Yeah. So you can potentially disagree with all of it. <laughs> flip it upside down. Trivial pursuit should be number one. <laughs> Catan in the dumpster. I think the, the, the thing that jumped out to me is that as soon as you got to guess who I feel mm-hmm. like it, it no longer was a tier. It was. It was no longer a list of board games um, that are equal. Mm-hmm. I think everything below that sort of belongs in the nostalgia category. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So it's it's not that it's a top or bottom tier as much as it, it almost is unfair to compare it because there's so much time uh, history mm-hmm. between its inception, or is it conception? It's conception yeah. and our consumption that there's too much emotional entanglement and other things going on for us to really say this mousetrap is a better game. Like, how do we even have the argument that mousetrap is a better game? I than know. Mousetrap? I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> that is the whole, that is the whole that's, point. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it is that it's impossible and amazing. <laughs> but I feel like you can have that conversation about Catan, Chess, Risk, Parcheesi, Checkers, and Scrabble. Right, right. Uh, Trivial Pursuit... I don't even. Uh, I don't. I, I. I. I can sense that there's some. Uh, some conflict on in that game, and I'd love to figure out. Yeah, yeah. How to like stand in the middle and just watch you trade punches back and forth. Decoy uh, just loves trivial pursuit. Yeah, I just immediately regrets putting it at the bottom. I know exactly. So my my feeling about that game is it holds a special place in my heart, and I I've greatly enjoyed it in multiple different places in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't actually own very many board games, but I do have a copy of the original 1981 edition, yep. Genus edition of Trivial Pursuit. Mm-hmm. And just today, my my roommate, my 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 flatmate, asked if I wanted to play a game later today, and she was like, "Yeah, you want to play? You want to play something? We play Trivial Pursuit again." And Dude. I'm like, "Okay, great, <laughs> love it. That's Thank amazing. you." Because we both enjoy. We're both nerds. We both mm-hmm. we both went to academia we both went to school we yep. both did stuff uh we did research things scholars yep. uh yeah we're 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 supposed to be really smart so we, we like playing games that make us feel smart and that's that's one of those games yeah see it makes me feel like an idiot <laughs> yeah so, so that's why it, it it holds but i understand that this is not a common experience most people don't like right. playing that game specifically for that reason mm-hmm. on top of it not being a very good game it's a yeah. bad game Yes. If you want to do trivia, you can just do trivia. You don't need to play Trivial Pursuit. 
that's right. why and I think that's what was that was what, what was lost yeah. on Trivial Pursuit is there was this really cool part of it where there's a board and there's a little pie pieces that go into the little yeah yep, and it, that's the fun. little pie trays yep and you try to get all the different categories and that part of Trivial Pursuit really got lost and it's known for just a box of trivia cards that people read to each other while they're driving or something right yeah the game side of it uh for better or worse definitely kind of falls to the wayside uh right and it's not really like decoy just said it's also not really a game in the way that we think of it now like it's sort of like shoots and ladders with trivia built in or something like that you know um but <laughs> yeah. with the high pieces and that kind of thing so it's like it's not like the it's sort of just like random until you get happen to roll the right number to get to the right spot to get, to answer the right question and you hope that you get it right this time because you might not get it again you know like that part of it's really frustrating yeah um, and it kind of just becomes let's just play trivia yeah uh, <laughs> which is you know uh so before we get into ranking and trying to figure out where uh, mousetrap goes i'm curious um decoy you can go first while bop bop ponders because he's newer to the list i'm curious where your uh, line of quality is uh for our list so far um i'll go ahead and start since i thought of this for you guys um and you can define line of quality however you'd like. Uh, for me, I'm thinking of line of quality personally as a game that I would be willing to potentially get if I didn't have it or um, hadn't played it in a while to like go out of my way to get it, either my old copy or go to a friend's house who has one to like play, something like that. Um, so it's worth getting potentially or having or playing, maybe not spending tons of money for right necessarily, but to get and also um, has some sort of recommendation, whether that be nostalgic or whether that be because it's so unique and like it's a collector's piece or whatever, some sort of like positive, like, hey, listener, this is worth your time in some way um, and where that line of quality is for you guys. So for me, it would be right at Kerplunk. So Kerplunk is the like lowest line of quality game, like Battleship and below, I'm going to say no. Kerplunk and up, I'm going to say yes, for various reasons. Um, so is there a spot uh, on our list also for you guys, just to kind of get us started on maybe where we want to start with Mousetrap, <laughs> where uh, your line of quality might be? My line of quality, that's mm -hmm. that's really interesting. So yeah. is this a, where on this list am I going to go out and seek out this game if I did not have a copy of it? There you go. Yeah, maybe, maybe that can be how you answer it. Yeah. Yeah. So do I want to go out and buy Kerplunk. Do I want to go go borrow Kerplunk from my friend down the street? No, right. I don't want to do that. I don't think okay. that's worth so it. It's, so it's a little higher up. Okay. Yeah, I would say it's probably... And this is funny because I would do that for Scrabble, but I would not do that for Checkers. Oh, funny. So what do I do? <laughs> so, so I just, uh, I so just maybe... take out a couple of pieces of paper and I make my own Checkers board. There you go. So that and, can be your checkers version and you can cut yeah. that one out basically. So, yeah. so I'm sticking the line at between Guess Who and Scrabble because I'm not going to go out of my way to get a copy of Guess Who. Gotcha. But okay. with the right crowd, like like my flatmate, if if we opened up my, my Scrabble board and found that it had been devoured by termites or something, I guess right. it's plastic. Devoured yeah. by, I don't know. Or plastic just missing. Eating. Someone stole it. Someone, <laughs> someone came into my apartment. They saw... 1995 scrabble and and just got that like that's it, Snagged that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if if that if it's gone i might actually go out and get a scrabble board i'd have to think uh, about it yeah but that's where it starts you start to get the friction of maybe this is worth it okay i got you yeah so it's, it's right right around there if i really okay. wanted to play checkers 
maybe we pull out our like we find a phone app and I can play checkers with somebody. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's somewhere in there. I, I think I think I would want to get get own my own copy of Scrabble. Okay. All right, John, uh, have you had enough time to ponder potentially where what line of quality it means for you and where you'd place it on here? Yeah, so there's two things first. First off, I don't know Kerplunk or Parcheesi, so it's hard for me to Ooh, okay. to work around that, but mm-hmm. just when I give my answer, just know that. Okay. The, okay. Uh, the second thing is um, guess who is really warping the this activity? Uh-oh. Because because my honestly my line is below monopoly. So anything, oh. anything Monopoly and above, minus guess who, right. I would definitely like <laughs> be interested in uh, playing. Also, even like if I, well, I wouldn't buy Monopoly because mm-hmm. like there's you know there's obviously so many themed versions of it that it's almost a right. It's almost a meme at this point. Like there, mm-hmm. there's you, honestly you don't even buy a game of monopoly you just buy a newly decorated box there's not a game of monopoly in the box because nobody's actually figured out that if they open the box it's empty right they're just selling empty boxes that have some goofy monopoly theme in it and people are like, oh look at this i got i got the girl talk monopoly <laughs> and then and then totally. they, they never go and play show. it yeah yeah right yeah it just sits there because it's for it's a it's a collector's item i got this random monopoly board right but i think um yeah, that's where I would put it. So what's your beef with Guess Who then? And then I think we know where we're going to start because Decoy said right at Scrabble, I said at Kerplunk, and you said at Monopoly minus Guess Who. So I guess we start somewhere in that six, seven, and eight range. Yeah, so why? So what's your beef with Guess Who? <laughs> it's, like, it's like three questions or four questions, and that's it. Yeah, you right. can get to about like maybe five. Like and four then or five. Guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, it's so repetitive. I mean... Let's talk about the replayability of Guess Who. Come on. Yeah, it's very, oh, yeah. very little. Once you've played it about four times in a row, you you understand it about totally. as, yeah. as you can. I, I think our, our issue with it is that it's very accessible. So yes. if you if you wanted to give a game to kids and you gave them Chinese checkers, trivial pursuit, yeah, battleship, uh, or guess who? They might pick Guess Who before all the other ones because it's it looks really interesting. It yeah, looks really it, funny. it invented emojis, remember? So I mean, yeah. So we're going to see the those origin, faces and the actual verifiable origin of what we call emojis today. That's right. And you can't you can't discount that. That's right. And that's and also uh, some of the re- so Bodbot mentioned something interesting about replayability. We also potentially can introduce uh, not necessarily replayability, but variability within the design of the game. Um, so like, can you think of a fun variant to play that makes the game interesting or cool? Battleship has that with Salvo kind of built in. We mentioned that in that episode. Trivia Pursuit basically is just stop playing the game and start playing trivia. So, I mean, that is something for that. Um, Scrabble, uh, we mentioned my little variant for that that didn't make any sense that would eventually become devolve into madness. Uh, guess who has subjective guess who, right? So then I'm, now I'm thinking, well, Mousetrap, like, I mean... I guess you could just mess around with the components and like make a different Rube Goldberg machine, but I don't know. It doesn't seem as fun if the no, for me all, anyway. For me, they all sizing wise, they all kind of fit together. So you can yeah, try to make very something else, yeah. but they're all plastic pieces that slot into the board mm-hmm. that aren't very uh, thick. Is not the right word. They're not very sturdy. So yes. if you try to like manipulate them and change them, they break easily, I think. Right. Or yeah, yeah, they, we were just, or at least they bend and kind of yeah, warp. Yeah, they, they bend yeah. and warp. Or maybe mm-hmm. we were just children and we just broke everything. 
Well, that could be it too. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely remember that happening. So I, I'm, I'm just going to go with, no, I don't think you could do a whole lot, a whole lot else. What, what are you going to do? Go around the board backwards. It's the same. Right. Thing. And that might not necessarily be why we rank uh, mousetrap necessarily anywhere. Um, but it does, at least for me, hold something. I'm not sure what it holds necessarily, but it holds something. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a proposal. Let's start at uh, Kerplunk, which is the most similar to this type of game genre on the list, since Decoy was closer with Scrabble and Kerplunk was my guess, and uh, Bot was too below Monopoly, so my line of quality was right between y'alls. So let's start uh, there and then see where it ends up. Does that sound good? Sure. Okay. Uh, so, John, you said you have not played Kerplunk, right? So right. Um, the just to give you a very brief synopsis, uh, it's a cylinder. It looks like one of those like peanut butter measurers where you usually make like a peanut butter pie. It's got a bunch of holes going through the middle where you put very thin like spaghetti-sized plastic straws from one side to the other in a very crisscross zigzag kind of pattern. And then you drop a bunch of marbles on top. And then gameplay is just remove a string, like a spaghetti noodle, basically from the center. And you don't want marbles. So eventually gravity overtakes and marbles start to fall through the cracks. And you collect those and then the winner has the fewest marbles. Okay. Uh, so it's, gra it's gravity of the board game. Um, and if you saw a picture and you knowing that, you kind of have the idea of what the gimmick is. Um, I'll start. Uh, I like Kerplunk way better than this game. <laughs> I mentioned it a little bit already. Spoiler alert. <laughs> So you guys are going to have to argue pretty hard for Mousetrap, I think, uh, for me to buy into it going any higher than Kerplunk. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't put it higher. I wouldn't put it higher than Kerplunk anyway. All right. Oh, nice. So, so yeah, I'm, it's not going to be an argument. Okay. okay. All right. So, so what well, decoy's got it. Here we go. So we're going to have to do the heavy lifting here and uh, not say anything. This is not going to happen. So we're just going <laughs> to down elevator. Uh... <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think so. And my idea of where this was going to go already, kind of thinking about it, was uh, Kerplunk at its highest. And I was like, I don't know, though, because I love Kerplunk. Anyway, so Battleship is next at number nine. So um, I can start with this one. Uh, I've played Battleship recently, uh, and I played the Salvo version, and I had way more fun than I ever remember playing or thinking about Mousetrap. Um, and Salvo is written in the rules, so it's not a variant. It's like part of the game. Um, Papa, have you heard of this uh, variant? What is or... Yeah, what is Salvo? Yeah, so um, you know this traditional uh, version of the game, right? We've got the ships and you hide them and then uh, you like select the coordinates on the opponent and then you try and find their ships, right? Yeah. So um, Salvo is, there's you have five ships at the start, right? So uh, you have therefore five shots at one time in one turn and you have the number of shots that you have per ships you have surviving. So at the beginning of the game, I guess five coordinates, and then you tell me hit or miss on which ones, and then you re you reply with five more. And then as we ship, or as we ship, as we sink each other's ships, we have less shots until we end up at zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's very, it's immediately more interesting and more like uh, tense, uh, as opposed to it feeling kind of like I'm just shooting kind of it in the dark randomly until I happen to land on one kind of thing. It also increases the playtime, et cetera. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And I was going to say about Battleship is when we went to Disney World, um, my son wanted to buy the Pirates of the Caribbean version of Battleship, which I assumed was just a oh. reskin of Battleship. But they mm -hmm. actually added some new mechanics that made it oh, cool. very sort of uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting take. And it's a, it's a fun little 
variant of the original battleship but yeah yeah yeah, i i really i think battleship has some interesting psychology built into it so to me it can be a heavy game Mm -hmm. um if you were to play it hyper competitively and then you could also play it with kids for fun so i think it's it's versatile that way nice yeah okay so decoy you're gonna argue for my mousetrap or is it gonna keep falling through the dumpster absolutely (laughs) not dumpster (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh monopoly is up next um i don't like monopoly either I will honestly, I can honestly say. So I think this is maybe the first time where something like Legacy comes to comes to uh, comes to a head because uh, did Monopoly invent the a genre and create uh, like a sort of type of board game? In a lot of ways, it did. Did Mousetrap? Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, it did. So they kind of both have similar nostalgic, not nostalgic, similar. Um, they both have similar legacy points uh, i think the question for me anyway thinking about these are which would i rather sit down and play and i honestly don't have an answer for that which is hilarious and scary <laughs> so i'm gonna have to let you guys start on this one while i ponder this so yeah so this this is this is funny because that that would be my general tiebreaker right which game right. would given the choice between the two which game would i rather play monopoly right. or mousetrap I don't want to play either of them. I don't. I don't <laughs> right. think I, I don't wanna, either. <laughs> I don't think I want to engage. I think. I think if I had to, I'd pick Monopoly just because I know how to set it up. I think. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good point. You can actually play a full game, and the the there's more gaminess to the game of Monopoly. Yeah. Like you can think, you can strategize, you can trade with people. You there's more social interaction than build the thing and watch it work. I yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I don't. Even though it's not a good game, at least it's it, it's it's closer to a game than a toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and something John mentioned before: the game yeah. versus the toy. Yeah. Even though, um, as John mentioned earlier, even though the the like dark undertones and like heavy like cyberpunk feel of of, of Mousetrap, which is not clear based on the art on the cover, uh, that is <laughs> that's that's something for Mousetrap. Maybe I don't know. I mean, if it comes down to a choice between the two, I'm going to take Monopoly with the caveat that I'm not playing any of those weird, goofy, themey Monopolies. Like, I want the OG. original mm-hmm. version of it. Um, not necessarily the original from 19... What, 35. Year? 35. Yeah. Like, not necessarily yeah. that original version, but the one that I remember playing where it was just, just Monopoly, not Horseopoly or... Or NFLopoly or NHL or, yeah, or, or yeah. Mario Kart Monopoly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's the caveat. Um, but I would play Monopoly over Mousetrap ten times out of ten. Okay, yeah, that's so that's I mean at the very least, if I was gonna argue for Mousetrap, that's two out of three. So I think we'll let Monopoly go ahead. I can honestly say though, I do have a pretty interesting Mario Kart version of Monopoly that's <laughs> it's not Monopoly because it's it is a different game. They've kind of changed they've changed some pretty core rules and they've made it have a finite number of turns, which is a big improvement in my opinion. Um, but that game is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's more so like kind of, I'm playing Mario Kart than Monopoly, but it's, you know, you can't play Mario Kart on a board game. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. And I, um, I've played it uh, like within the past couple of years. Uh, we played it during COVID, I think the most recently during like the initial lockdown. Um, and it was, it was pretty fun for the experience that it was. So in that way, I think I do want to play Monopoly more even though it's weird saying that coming out of my mouth um and even if i wasn't you guys got me two over one so let's go uh let's let it keep falling 
Chinese checkers is next. Um, for the me, this one's very easy. Um, and Dequa, you've uh, thought about this one previously. Uh, John, is this one that you also are aware of or no? Yeah, actually, okay. I, I mean, who doesn't own a set that contains 15 games in Chinese checkers? About, yeah, yeah that's, that's what yeah. I had. Yeah, we brought that up. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, so um, I love Chinese checkers. I played the hell out of Chinese checkers, and I would play it again right now if you asked me to because the nostalgia of it for me is very strong. Um, and it was a little bit of a bummer that put it below Monopoly in that episode, but I still stand by our decision. Um, but for me, this is very easy. Chinese checkers is going to win this one uh, without even thinking. All right, nope, trash. Don't don't like don't like Chinese checkers at all. Ooh, okay. So we're going to disagree here. I have all right, all right. For as much nostalgia as you have for Chinese checkers, I have opposite nostalgia for Chinese checkers. Ah, okay. So that that's Uh-oh. just not not <laughs> something not something I ever want to be playing. Basically, okay. All right. So, yeah, John, what do you think? You might be our tiebreaker. I'm kind of in the middle between you. Um, I, I would play it. It's got an interesting nostalgia or his, history to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's an abstract. It's an abstract game. So there's some strategy built right. into it. And but I don't know that I'd be excited about playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm really going to just split the difference between you and just say me too to both of you <laughs> i have an idea i think decoy, <laughs> i think decoy might buy it we'll see so let me so let's talk about trivia pursuit let's let's pretend for a second that i was able to convince decoy that chinese checkers deserve to be higher um i have a feeling decoy that you want to give trivia pursuit some love and let mousetrap be below it is that yes, true maybe possibly okay. potentially possibly. So, uh, John, do you have any feelings one way or the other about Trivial Pursuit versus Mousetrap? Ooh, Powerfully boy. one way or the this other? Is, yeah. This is the decision that's the hardest. I know. Because <laughs> they're both really bad. Yes, they are. Um, I have a nostalgic love of Mousetrap, but only in my mind, not in my hands. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Trivial Pursuit for me. Yeah, yeah. Despite and, Decoy and, playing it later today. <laughs> and I and I feel like and I feel like if I if I'm doing Trivial Pursuit a favor and putting it above Mousetrap, then what am you know, where's my credibility? Yeah, that's <laughs> touche. Yeah, we gotta be credible here, right? We so, gotta have people buying in. Yeah. I think if uh I think if I had to make a decision between the two, I'd have to take Trivial Pursuit. Okay, I was hoping that you would say that. Um, so, Decoy, I have a proposition for you. Let's see how you and how John uh, think about this. So let's, for a second, uh, entertain the possibility of doing a very quick reshuffling. What if instead of, so Decoy wants uh, Mousetrap to be number ten, uh, number 11 and Chinese Checkers to bump to number 12, and then that would force Trivial Pursuit to number 13. So what if, uh, hypothetical, we switched Trivial Pursuit above Chinese Checkers and then we put Mousetrap at number 13. So we give Trivial Pursuit a little bit more love, and then Chinese Checkers doesn't keep getting pushed below. I don't want, like, for me, and I think for you also, we both don't want Mousetrap to go ahead of our nostalgic game. <laughs> <laughs> so what if we worked it so that we could have both have our cake and eat it too? What do you think? So you're proposing <laughs> Monopoly... Uh, then Trivial Pursuit, Chinese Pursuit, Checkers. Then Chinese Checkers, then Mousetrap. Okay. So I give, because so Trivial Pursuit's been dunked on many times. And to be fair to Decoy, he does play Trivial Pursuit, and I don't play Chivo, Chinese Checkers. Like right now, today, he's played it like 
more than one time this year. I've played Chinese checkers, not one time this year, just to give you a, like some, you know what I mean? So like he's actively playing it and enjoying it. Uh, even though it's number 12. Yeah. Yeah. And so Deco, what, do you, what do you think? I think I'm okay with that. I feel like yeah. this is cheating a little bit. You're uh, as much of a host at this point as I am. So if you uh, want to make us stick to our guns and fight it out, I'm okay with that too. I just wanted to potentially uh, offer this truce. No, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm down to do that. I just okay. think, well, I guess there's no <sighs> rules, right? You can't cheat if there's no rules. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have no rules. Yeah. I am down for that. That's going to be Monopoly, Trivial Pursuit, Chinese Checkers, Chinese checkers and then Mouse Trap. And then mouse bottom. trap. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, yeah, let's uh, just to have the listeners uh, follow up here and keep track of all this. So we've got, uh, we started today at number eight, Kerplunk. And then we go Battleship, Monopoly, like normal. And then there's a remix, uh, Trivial Pursuit jumps, even though it's not that episode, to number 11, Chinese Checkers at number 12, and then Mouse Trap, the new dumpster diver. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, there's potential a future episode that you and I can do our Chinese checkers Civil pursuit uh, nostalgia battle again. <laughs> yeah, the very the very next time we bring this up, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose that to whoever the next guest is, and we're gonna mix this again. So uh, <laughs> it's a good thing that I'm better friends with JC than he is with you. I think. Uh oh. I'm, I'm gonna get him on my I'm gonna get him on my team. And yeah, uh, that's fair because we're doing Dominion next. Spoiler yeah. alert! And uh, oh, we're, gonna, game. we're gonna do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> if we even talk about the bottom half, because uh, I don't know about you, BotBot, um, or our listeners, if they're still uh, playing uh, deck building type games. And that's uh, one we're covering our first next week. Uh, that game is not going to be anywhere near the bottom, um, just as a, a, you know, as a spoiler for next week. Uh, so we might not even get to the point where you can even uh, bait him into making the changes. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I might just forget if he's, uh, he, uh, both of us are very contrarian. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I fear that he's going to put this like right between checkers and Scrabble or something, Dominion. Oh my God. And I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to lose my mind. And that's just what he wants. Oh God. Well, Hey, uh, yeah, that's mousetrap. Um, John, does there, uh, now that we've talked about it, this happened to uh, decoy and I a couple of times with uh, a couple of these games. So um, we've talked about them. Uh, we talked about Percheesy last week and decoy was intrigued enough by our discussion with it. Uh, to potentially play it. Um, has that happened for you for this game, do you think? I want to know what Parcheesi is. Like, I, wanna, yeah. I, would, I would love to learn it. Uh, I don't remember if it's like a, like a bits and tokens kind of a game or if it's, a, I feel like I want to say Parcheesi was a card game, but am I? Yeah, this, so Parcheesi, um, and so for Mousetrap, I think you're probably going to say no, that's okay. So we'll do Parcheesi first. Um, so it's a, uh, you got four pawns and a board to move around and a home square and you're rolling dice and moving around the board, similar to this one. Um, but you can like block and there's lots of other things you can kind of do to manipulate your position on the board in relation to other players. Uh, and you're basically just trying to race around the board before your opponents. Um, and you roll two dice and you move the numbers uh, and you can... If you roll doubles, you can go again and stuff. So there's lots of different kind of mechanics built in or, or maybe rules, I should say, built in to get you to kind of uh, manipulate the board positions of you versus your opponents and also race faster around the board. Like you can capture opponents, stuff like that. Oh, okay. Because I, yeah. I play, I, I play a, a game very similar to that uh, with my wife's family called Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets really intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because there's there's bumping and there's these secret passages that you can go through that are 
uh, safe and just how to, how do you work together to, cause you're on a team of two right. people. But, um, but so I guess that's the one, that's the one I'd be interested to try. Okay. Um, yeah. Mousetrap, not so much. It doesn't sound like, I mean, I have it. I Ooh. own it somewhere in here. Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, I, I played it with the kids a couple of times when they were much younger, but um, they're, they've outgrown it. It's six plus is generous because yeah. it's like six and that's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you'd outgrow it way faster than the yeah, six. Yeah. <laughs> this movie just says six. Like, hey, are you six? This game's for you. Otherwise, uh, we'll play something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would love, I mean, seeing this list, I'll, I'll say that it ignites some feelings of uh, warmness around mm-hmm. the game of Risk, the game of Catan, mm-hmm. uh, probably Scrabble mm-hmm. and, uh, and Battleship. I'd say those games uh, hold a dear spot in my heart for, for, their, oh, nice. uh, for what, what they've meant to my uh, gaming life. So, uh, Decoy, did you get a chance, speaking of Battleship, um, to like, have you, had a, have you found a moment where you could sit down and play the Salvo version? No, I have not because I don't have I don't have oh, I gotcha. Battleship, don't so have I'd it. have to go online. I did play a few games, but not not Salvo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so I'm interested. So John, since you have it, um, I'm interested if you happen to pull that out again, nostalgic wise, try out the Salvo uh, variant and let me know uh, if you like it. If you think it's cool, um, Salvo was the initial game, and then Battleship was the rebranding, and like they kind of took it and ran with it and changed it and marketed it differently and stuff but uh it's salvo was like the original game in the 30s um, oh okay yeah so if that uh if that variant uh, depending on the old how old the version is that you have that variant rule set might be built into your rule book and you could take a look and see what you think it's like i found it very enjoyable um, well the only copy so, i have is the pirates of the caribbean which does ooh, have okay. a, a uh, similar okay. it, it's not the same mechanics but it's it's intended to make the game move a little bit faster because yeah, it, yeah, it comes helps. with extra it comes with extra guesses that you can earn yeah when you when you sink a new ship then you get to make a bunch of guesses nice okay yeah that's that's nice it's it kind of helps speed move things along um in a pretty good way like monopoly's variants uh like kind of slow it down salvo sped it up uh, in a good way so yeah that's i'm I'm, yeah. I'm down i'm always down for those games that seem like they're going to take all day like ti right oh that's a 13 hour game well let's play this variant it'll make it a seven hour game like all right i'm down <laughs> <laughs> have you ever played a game that has physical mechanics like uh, the three-dimensional you drop something somewhere and do something that wasn't originally part of the board game or game at all I have a very specific answer, yes, that you may not, may or may not be expecting. Um, there's this game uh, that uh, I will I will put a firm bullet on as being the most influential game in my game uh, life. And it's a trading card game made by Wizards of the Coast, which is the same company that made Pokemon trading card game and makes uh, Magic the Gathering, called the Star Wars trading card game. Very stupid name, doesn't really tell you much. Um, and I'm not going to go into the full details of all of these parts of that game because it's very convoluted. Um, I'll give you a very brief thing. So um, you build your own deck at home. You can spend as much time as you want. And then you just light side, dark side, and they have to fight you know, against each other, obviously. And your opponent or your sibling or whoever makes their own deck as well. And then you play those two decks against each other. So it's kind of like a deck building game, similar to how like Pokemon trading card game is a deck building game. You have like a fire deck and a water deck, if you guys know those games. 
similar to magic if you play that um in that same way too right you've got like the elemental decks or whatever mm -hmm. uh and there's this very particular card so um in the star wars universe you've got space battles ground assaults and you got like characters fighting with like lightsabers and stuff so that's the the playboard has those three quadrants that you're doing battles in and in the space arena there was this card uh that was a like mission card so you had to like fulfill some very specific uh like qualifications um in order for it the card to take effect so if you set the card uh up and you do the things that it requires like its build and requirement cost then you can activate it during play and then you can do the thing so this card was called homing missile and uh it's a card game so it's two player right so uh two player and 2d but this card uh it's text i don't have it i don't have it right in front of me but i'll, I'll paraphrase it um the text said something along the lines of um when this card is activated, uh, hold it 30 centimeters above the player board. Yep. That's where I thought this was going. Yep. And and drop it. And if it lands on your opponent's card that you've targeted, you have to pick the one you're targeting, then destroy the card. Like, it's it's killed. And we, so, like, for many, 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 many years, we had, we, we played this game uh, and collected all of them. It was, like, a huge uh, moment in my life for board games and with my brother and stuff. It's a really positive and powerful memory that I had with him uh, growing up. And it's, it's also, like, the, like, my brother and I, like, kind of fought when we were younger. And this game, now we don't fight anymore. So, like, it really, like, brought us together in a way. It's, like, really powerful for me. Uh, and I remember very distinctly, we both had the copies of this card in the decks that we made because it was like a neutral card. So you could have it in both decks, both styles. And we had it all the time. Uh, and we had to pull out a tape measure and put it at 30 centimeters. <laughs> and we would stand up and we would like hold it up and measure it, you know. And then eventually we get to the point where we'd like, because there was no rules about like the environment that you're in. So if you're playing outside and the wind blows, whoop, shit out of luck. The wind blew the card because it's a flimsy card, you know. So yeah. we put like we'd put like fans up and like have light like air kind of trying to fuck with it, you know. <laughs> it was like so funny, um, but that was like the only time probably where there was a 3D experience like you were mentioned that I actually enjoyed because I that card, man. Yeah, so that that's my that's my uh, that's my one. <laughs> so, so yeah, speaking of Wizards of the Coast, the one yep. one of the two I came up with was a Magic card. Yeah, from Limited or Unlimited, really early on, called Chaos Orb, and it was the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It just says flip the card and whatever it lands on, that's destroyed and removed from play. There you go. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast, man. They're reusing. Yeah, the, yeah there they go. Uh -huh. <laughs> so then you had all sorts of weird things, like the urban legend of someone taking the card and just ripping it up into tiny little pieces and tossing oh, the pieces up in the air and trying to kill and everything, just, like, wiping the board, <laughs> which people did apparently do. There, there's oh confirmed cases, but maybe not in a tournament setting. But people sure, did sure. do that because back then the cards cards were cheap people didn't really yeah, yeah, don't worry about it yeah. understand about how much these things would eventually be worth right. and then it was immortalized in in unglued with a card oh, called man. chaos confetti that actually instructs you to do exactly that as a oh reference to the old card it's just <laughs> that card just says tear this card up and toss it into the air that's uh, amazing which is kind of like that that was the funny set that has ridiculous things on it kind of totally, totally. wrapped in magic oh man Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Getting Gamey is produced by me, Mark Overstreet. Music by Pixabay.com.